Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, friends. The uh, the 1030 crowd is always more caffeinated. It's good to see you this morning. And hasn't God been good? God has been good. Yeah, let the Lord know you love him this morning. Go ahead and do that. That's... That's wonderful. For those of you who don't know, my name is Brad, and uh, I'm from Convoy of Hope, and it's just so great to be back here at, at TC3. You guys are amazing. And uh, I want you to turn to the person next to you and just say, you look fantastic. <clears throat> okay? All right, now... Now I need you to turn to the other side and say, how about you taking me to lunch? All right? We, had to, we needed to get that out of the way. <laughs> now, now that's the plan. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it is so great to be here. You know, Pastor Gordon and Carol and my wife and I all went to college together. And uh, we've been dear friends for almost 35 years. And... Uh, <clears throat> yes, and uh, what I would like for you to do, I don't know what it would be here, probably the Miami Dolphins. Is that who you guys cheer for? Okay, oh, we got some thumbs downs over there. Okay, I'm gonna go in a different direction then. Let's, uh, is your basketball team the Miami Heat? Okay, so I want you to pretend for a moment that the Miami Heat have won the NBA Finals and I want you to clap and cheer and whistle and let Pastor Gordon and Carol know just how much you love them. Would you do that right now? Yes. Right on. They are awesome. So this morning we're going to be talking about this idea of compassion and the importance of compassion and what compassionate believers do. And um, I'm just going to give you a couple key scripture verses that you can kind of hold on to, and that'll be the framework in which we talk this morning. But the first one is found in Colossians chapter three and verse 12, and it simply says there, this, this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Okay, let's try that. You guys have had two or three cups of coffee. Let's try that one more time. Clothe yourselves with Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And this verse that we're kind of springboarding from this morning is clearly commanding us to do something. The words clothe yourself to put on is a action command. It's something that it's asking you to do, to perform, to be part of. I just had the Thanksgiving with my family. My father-in-law came in town and he told me that he had read a church sign on the way in on their marquee and it said on the sign, well done is better than well said. 
Well done is better than well said. And many times, as followers of Jesus Christ and those who are in the church on a regular basis, our great need might not necessarily be more knowledge, but rather to put into practice what we already know. That's one of those thoughts that if you can't say amen, say ouch. Our great need might not be more knowledge, but rather to put into practice what we already know, what we've learned. In uh, Zechariah chapter seven and verse nine, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. So the question then becomes, what is compassion? If I were to ask you to explain to me what compassion is, what words would you group together to tell me what compassion is or what it means or how it expresses itself or how you live it out? Take a look at this, what compassion is. Compassion really isn't compassion until compassion does something. What I'd like to do this morning, because you guys have been such faithful partners of Convoy and have given with hearts of radical generosity, I wanna give you kind of a 30,000 foot overview of what Convoy has been doing because of your kindness and because of your generosity. Convoy of Hope currently feeds 533,000 children every school day around the world in over 3,000 feeding programs. Yes. <clears throat> Convoy of Hope has now trained over 99,000 women in their own micro-business enterprise. Some of you may remember, but just a few months ago, we gave a lady in uh, one of our countries in Central America 15 hens to get started. And she sold some eggs, and she bought a rooster. Then guess what happened? <laughs> this is an above-average crowd. And I was back there in March, and she turned those 15 hens. She now has 150 hens. And that's empowering one of the women in our women's empowerment program. We've now trained over 80,000 farmers globally because we know that agriculture will break the cycle of poverty. And that's why we want to be part of making that happen. We've helped in over 625 disasters domestically and internationally. And, and think about this now, Convoy of Hope has now personally ministered to over 200 million people, and we've given away over 2 billion in products and supplies. Give yourselves a big hand. <clears throat> when you start caring about what God cares about, God's blessing and favor falls on your life. And when God cares about the least, the last, and the lost, the marginalized, those who are left out, and you start caring about them, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself to be under this spout of God's favor and blessing. How many of you know God's still speaking to us today? And I believe that he's gonna speak to us in this service because when you do what he cares about, he's gonna be all up in your life because you're caring about what he cares about. Six years ago, I had an amazing encounter in El Salvador. I was pastoring in Cincinnati at the time, and I went to this feeding program where I met this little boy named Camilo. He was five years old. He was in kindergarten, and, and I looked down this line of about 300 children. He had black hair parted on the side, no front teeth. 
And I told the guys I was traveling with, when we get done feeding these kids, I want a picture with this kid. He is a winner. I mean, look at him. He's a winner, right? And, uh, and so I got a picture with him, and I had that on my phone. And, and then, you know, six years later, I'm working for Convoy of Hope. And I thought, man, I would love to somehow find this kid. God used him in a dream to change the trajectory of my life. And, uh, and, and so I'm back in El Salvador uh, about, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 months ago. And I'm, I'm talking with this bus driver. I said, can you help me find this kid, Camilo? He was in our program when he was in kindergarten. And I know it's been six years, but do you guys have any way to track him? They said, we have no address, no street name, no number. And we know that he didn't have a father and his uncle moved him two hours away in El Salvador up in the mountains. And this bus driver in the red shirt says, you know, I think I might know where that part of the country is. And I said, but we don't have a street name or a number. And he goes, yeah, but I, I think I might know where that is. And uh, I said, I'll take a, I think I might know where that is. So Nixon, the bus driver, myself, and a videographer got in the car, drove two hours up into the mountains. I had not seen this kid for six years. No street name, no address number. Check out Paul Harvey's rest of the story. Six years ago, I was here in El Salvador on a trip with Convoy of Hope, actually, while I was pastoring in Cincinnati. I had the opportunity to meet Camilo for the very first time. He was a five-year-old little boy in one of our feeding programs about two hours outside of San Salvador. When we pulled up to the feeding program, my assignment was to go stand behind the big bowl of rice and serve a scoop of rice onto each plate as the child walked by. One little boy stuck out to me. A little boy, a five-year-old little boy with dark black hair parted on the side, no front teeth and the biggest smile. When he came up to me, I put a scoop of rice on his plate and he looked up at me with his little plate and his rice and said, gracias. Something in that moment captured my heart and my mind to this little guy. I asked uh, Carlos, who was traveling with us at the time, to take a picture, and I've had that picture on my phone ever since. Me and Camilo. Well, God used Camilo in a powerful way in my life, and so right now, six years later, we're about to enter his home and reconnect with Camilo. What a beautiful place. Camilo, how are you, buddy? Oh, good to see you. Yeah, you Oh, man. I wanted to show you this. I've had this. I've had this, I think, since you were five years old. Look at that. Yo también tengo. He has the photo too. You have the photo too? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, oh, look at this. You had it, somebody made you a picture of it? Oh my goodness. Uh, absolutely, yes. Can I see it? Oh my goodness. That is wild. So this, the story that I wanted to come tell you is really, it's really an amazing story. 
So I was a pastor for 28 years and uh, pastored in Cincinnati, Ohio for 21 of those years. But I knew that even though I was pastoring a church, God was stirring something different in my heart. And I had been overseas on another missions trip where we helped a lot of children in an orphanage in a feeding program. And when I got back to the United States, I was really tired and jet lagged. So when I laid down to take a nap, I had the most vivid dream that I've ever had. And in my dream, I went back to the school program to where Camilo was when he was five years old. When he came up to me in line, I, put, I poured rice on his plate. He stops and looks straight into my eyes and he says, what took you so long? Meaning there are all kinds of kids around the world in need and why aren't you doing that? I knew that God was asking me to leave the church that I was pastoring, to move to Convoy of Hope and give my life to care for the poor and suffering and those in need. I wanted you and Camilo to know that God had used him in a powerful way to change the trajectory of my life and where we are now. We've now been there almost three years and I've never been happier in my entire life. <laughs> Over all these years, when I would think of, of Camilo and pray for him and pray for your family, to walk into your home and to be here today and to see that you had a picture of us and you guys have been praying for me, praying for another person is the greatest gift you could ever give them. And I'm so overwhelmed with gratitude and appreciation. I know that God has a special plan for Camilo's life and that he's going to use him in a powerful way to influence and impact many, many people. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of Camilo. You have used him in a powerful way to change the trajectory of my life and our family. And Lord, I know that you have a perfect plan and purpose for his life. I believe that you want to use him to influence and impact many lives all around the world. I pray that you would give him the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do it. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you, buddy. So proud of you, man. Stay true to Jesus. He wants to use you big time. Love and obey your mom. And go love everybody. Camilo is not the only kid who's going after God and our children's feeding programs. You see, everything that Convoy does is tethered to the local church. That means they're not just getting food, but they're getting Jesus every day. There are children in our feedings program there. In fact, I was with some of these young ladies just a few months ago, just in El Salvador alone. I want you to think about this. In our program in El Salvador alone, we've already had 20,000 children go through a two-year intensive discipleship program. Wow. 
God is doing incredible things in their lives. They're not only discovering who they are in Christ, but God is using them to reach so many others in their country. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, it says this, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. In Mark 6, 34, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus models humility and leans into the pain and heartache of those who are suffering. I want you to think about this this morning. The spiritual life does not remove us from the world. It leads us deeper into it. Missions and compassion are not programs of the church. They are the purpose of the church. Let me give you three closing thoughts this morning. You might want to write these down or put them on something. Maybe you can type them in your phone, but let me give you, leave you with these three thoughts this morning. Number one, compassionate believers don't give people a piece of their mind. They give them a piece of their heart. Compassionate believers don't give someone a piece of their mind. They give them a piece of their heart. Number two, compassionate believers don't say, how did you get here? Instead, they say, how can I help? How can I help? And number three, compassionate believers understand that it's costly, not comfortable to obey and respond. Ladies and gentlemen, we get to be part of the solution. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. How many of you know we are blessed to be a blessing? We are blessed to be a blessing. So let me ask you three questions real quick this morning. Number one, how many of you slept somewhere last night with some shelter over top of you? Let me see your hands, okay? How many of you, when you got up this morning, there was some food in your refrigerator? There was some food in there, okay? And how many of you got here, doesn't matter if it was a hoopty or a jalopy or whatever, but you got to this campus in some type of vehicle? Let me see your hands, okay? How many of you were three for three? If you were three for three on all three questions, okay? If you answered yes to all three of those questions, that puts you in the top 1% wealth of the world. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. We are blessed to be a blessing. Passion turns our have-tos into get-tos. We get to bless others. We get to be Jesus' hands and feet extended. And as you're considering your one day to feed the world commitment, I want you to think about what has happened right now in northern Kenya and all across the northern strip of Africa is the worst drought and famine on planet Earth in 50 years. It is a horrific humanitarian crisis of epic proportions. There are children... In northern Kenya, listen to me closely, there are children in northern Kenya who are five years old who've never felt a raindrop hit their skin. Since they have been born, it has never rained in that part of the country. The drought and famine is unbelievable. 
There are about 4.4 million people who are on the verge of total starvation. That's everybody in Miami and West Palm Beach. If all those people died overnight, that's where we would be. Right now on the ground in northern Kenya, there are 2.4 million livestock that are just laying dead in the desert. No food, no water, nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, where someone is born should not determine whether they live or die. Think about that for a moment. We are blessed to be a blessing. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. The drought and famine is indescribable. In one area of northern Kenya, we were passing out food and water and uh, we got about 250,000 meals to this one village and there were boxes everywhere where we had rice and beans and there were two little kids who just climbed in one of our Convoy of Hope boxes that had food in it. When I saw this picture, I was just overwhelmed with this thought. We just came out of Thanksgiving. We spend probably more time thinking about what we shouldn't eat when one third of the world is wondering if they're gonna get to eat. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. We get to be part of the solution. In Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 10, it says, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. You see, here's the facts. We are not only giving them bread, but friends, we are giving them the bread of life. Jesus himself is the answer, and Jesus is the hope of the world, and everything that Convoy does is tethered to the local church. We want that local church to be the hero in their community. You see, when we give people Jesus, their stories shift from a hopeless ending to endless hope. That's what happens when you give somebody Jesus. But to help meet this need, we need your help. We need friends to live a life of radical generosity this morning. Last year, there was a little boy named Nicholas. Nicholas was in the foster care system in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He had been tossed around from home to home and there was a lady in a church outside of Philadelphia. She had never been married, never had children, and she wanted to give Nicholas a forever home. She wanted to adopt him. She brought Nicholas in, and Nicholas, as soon as he got a forever home, his new mom said, what is your dream? What would you like to do, buddy? And he said, someday, I'd like to go to Disney World. He'd never been on a vacation, been tossed from home to home in the foster care system. And so Nicholas started telling his new uncles and aunts, grandparents, that he was saving for Disney. And he'd put everything he got for Christmas in a little bucket that said Disney. And everything he got for his birthday that was money, he put it in the bucket for Disney. And when he got a good grade in school, got some money for that, he put it in his bucket for Disney. When he lost a tooth, he let the tooth fairy know that he wanted the money to go to Disney. You guys catching where I'm going with this? So Nicholas, his mom attended a church where Convoy of Hope was. 
They were telling the Convoy of Hope story and Nicholas was there listening when he found out that there were kids who didn't even have food or water. Nicholas, coming out of a foster care system, just now getting a forever home and hoping to one day have a vacation to Disney, told his mom, Mom, I, I don't need to have this money for Disney when there are kids who don't have food or water. And that next Sunday, Nicholas drug his bucket into church. Nicholas had saved in those 14 months $266.40. Nicholas told his mom, I want to give it all. I want to give all of it away. Seven days ago, last Sunday at this time, I was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I wanted to fly to the church where this kid was from and meet Nicholas. So last Sunday, one week ago today, I got to meet Nicholas, a little guy who showed me what living a life of radical generosity looked like, gave everything he had. When we talk about one day to feed the world, you're talking about taking your annual salary and divide it by 365 and giving that one day to care for the poor and suffering. But God may be asking you to do something different. Everybody can do something. But God may be nudging you, prompting you to do even more. He may ask you to give two days. He may ask you to give a week. We don't want you to give out of logic, and we definitely don't want you to give out of emotion. But we would love for you to take just a few moments and say, God, what are you asking me to do? Because God's prompting, whatever that is, plus obedience to that nudge, always equals the miraculous. When we do what we can, God himself does what we can't. And so what I'd like to do right now is just to take a moment, let everybody just close your eyes and kind of shut everything else out for a moment and just let you have that time to say, God, what are you asking me to do? Is it just the one day or is he asking you to do more than that? God, I pray right now that you would speak to us, that you would nudge us, that you would drop a number in our hearts and that we would respond affirmatively yes to that. Lord, right now, help people to hear your voice, to sense your nudges and your prompting. More than anything else, we wanna hear from you today. God, in this room, give us the wisdom to hear your voice and the courage to say yes. I pray for favor and blessing to rest upon every person in this room. Lord, I pray scripture over them that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ever think, imagine, or dream. But we don't have to do this. We get to do this. You have blessed us to be a blessing. Allow us today, please, God, allow us to be your hands and feet extended. I bless these friends in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.